Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we talk about the news in the video game industry. We try to understand what's been happening in the past couple of weeks in that wonderful industry of a hobby of ours. My name is Patrick Beja and today I have Mr. Tom Merritt uh, coming straight from... Um, which podcast am I going to pimp that you do? There are so many to <laughs> choose from. Um, uh East meets West. There you go. East meets West with Roger probably Chang. the biggest crossover for the Pixels audience would be Daily Tech News Show, don't you think? That's true. I'm, but I'm guessing most people who listen to Pixels already know about uh, the Daily Tech News Show. So I was trying to give mm. them a different flavor of uh, sword East and Tech. laser. Ah, that too. Um, so welcome. Uh, thank you for being here, Tom. We are going to be t talking about strange moves by Microsoft. It's, uh, it's controversial, even one might say. Uh, we also had a Nintendo Direct, and we have a bunch of delays and news related to different games that we'll, we're also going to be talking about. What uh, games got delayed? They didn't <laughs> stick to the original ship date. It's it's well, chaos. You know, there used to be a time not so long ago, about a couple of years, when they wouldn't delay and games would come out yeah. broken um although that still happens but uh yeah it seems now they do both yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so microsoft first uh this is kind of a weird everything that happened in the past uh week or so uh, they had a bunch of announcements about bringing windows 10 and x the xbox closer together and then tim sweeney the founder of epic games sort of through a fit no that that's mischaracterizing what he's he happened but he's such an angry man yeah <laughs> he must be the most the 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 gentlest nerd yeah, you've ever exactly heard. um but yeah so first of all what is microsoft even doing i have a hard time wrapping my head around that their announcement well and i really fault microsoft with the fact that we are having such a hard time wrapping our head around this because it was such an odd announcement in so many different ways. Many things are still vague. And I feel like it is uh, the classic battle of Microsoft 
for, of old, right? Uh, the new Microsoft, the Satya Nadella Microsoft, the Phil Spencer in charge of Xbox Microsoft has been very user focused, very much about opening up, not open sourcing, but opening up its software to be on more platforms and be available in more places and more user friendly. And this one feels like it's trying to go in two directions at once. So the basis of it is Windows Universal Platform. You'll hear that mentioned a lot. That is the platform that Microsoft is putting together that says you write your code once for Windows and it will run on the phone, on the laptop, on the tablet, and on the Xbox. The Xbox is now running the Windows kernel, so you can be able to port your code over there. In fact, you don't have to port it. You just write it and it works. Okay, that's the easy part to get, right? It makes sense that like, oh, okay, now if I buy something for Windows, I can run it on Xbox, I can run it on tablet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If, yeah, Where if, I, if you wish to, to make it work on, on the different devices, obviously uh, the Xbox is going to be getting a, a keyboard and mouse and uh, you have a couple of changes to do in your program, but it, it can it can basically run any, well, in the, 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 the uh, near future, it will be able to run pretty much any windows uh universal app uh just like a pc so the xbox is kind of becoming a a, a partial pc right yeah and 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 again you're right like not everything is going to work the same right because a tablet doesn't have a keyboard xbox has a controller etc but those are design issues not coding issues the code can still run so that makes it easier and that sounds great and that's what microsoft's trying to to promote here is hey guess what In the gaming world, what this means is that if you buy an Xbox game, you should be able to play it on Windows and vice versa. You buy it from the Windows store, you should be able to play it on Xbox. Now, if we leave it there, that sounds great. But the complications come in the details. And I was thinking about this over the weekend. The confusing and confounding factor, and I think the thing that's got Tim Sweeney and some other developers a little bit upset, is that Microsoft doesn't just have a platform. If we left it at that, I think that that would be fine. Microsoft also has a store. Uh, And the Windows Store is how you get these Windows Universal platform apps. And Microsoft, like iOS and like Android, takes a cut of your sales. In fact, they take 30% of anything sold through the Windows Store. So what Tim Sweeney was complaining about was, well, this this is interesting. If if I want to make an Xbox game, I essentially have to sell it through the Windows Store as well and lose 30%. And the Windows Universal platform is reserving features. Now, at this point, there aren't that many features that it's reserving, uh, but he points out a couple of things that you can only do easily through the Windows Universal platform. And he's worried that that's going to continue, uh, that it's going to get worse. Sweeney claims uh, some of the new Windows features are available exclusively. At the same time, it doesn't support things like SLI or Crossfire yet, so it's not a perfect platform. But those are, yeah, those are details. And he says what's going to happen is they're going to keep reserving these features for the Windows Store, and I'm going to have to sell it through there and not be able to sell it in Steam or other platforms out there. So suddenly it becomes very reminiscent of Gabe Newell's concerns over the Windows 8 store, which is, hey, Microsoft's making a land grab here. Phil Spencer at the same time talked to journalists a week before last week put them under NDA, presumably so they could get a chance to play with some of these new games that are cross-platform. And then when we get the story last week, it's very much like, well, this game 
will sort of be cross-platform, and this game will eventually be cross-platform, and a lot of confusing signals about what the user was going to actually be able to get with this stuff. Yeah, this, I mean, if you're confused right now, uh, rest assured you're not the only one. Um, it's This is all incredibly... I would say poorly messaged. I think uh, they, they didn't come out with it, as we were saying earlier, they didn't come out with a clear messaging and with a clear uh, vision for what they were trying to do. Those uh, universal Windows app are going to be running on both platforms. And already, you know, the fact that games are going to be running on Windows 10 through the Windows Store, it sort of brings up a question about the Xbox uh, One. It's like, well, if you have an Xbox One that is doesn't have exclusive games anymore, why would anyone buy it? I think that is partially uh, mitigated by the fact that people who have a gaming PC and an Xbox One are, you know, less numerous than we might think in our community. A lot of people who buy an Xbox One, it's their main gaming machine and they don't really want to play on PC as well, um, except, you know, for the hardcore gamers. But then... That big question about uh, what is Microsoft... Because the way Tim Sweeney phrased it, he, he said, I guess, there were two things. He was saying this is something that could happen farther down the line. And and he, he wants to get in, get the discussion started early so that Microsoft doesn't... So that it's not too late uh, for things to get reversed. And he also was saying that he was kind of forceful at the same time saying Microsoft is kind of taking over gaming. Um, And one thing which I really thought was a very interesting point that he made, um, one way to look at it could be, well, you know, Windows is their operating system. They have a store. There's no reason they couldn't be selling games, you know, their their own games on the store, not their own games, but their platforms, uh, software on the store the same way um, Apple does it on their iOS devices and their Mac devices. And one thing that he said was the the difference is the PC is not Microsoft's uh, uh, ecosystem. The PC is a very open ecosystem where anyone can do anything they want. And Microsoft has a de facto uh, monopoly on the OS of that uh, ecosystem. And the the big problem comes when they try to use that monopoly to force their uh, position in another area. And that's what he's saying might happen with games because those universal Windows uh, platform games, if they, they become the dominant uh, way of developing uh, games... It's great. Tim Sweeney is really likes the things that Microsoft is doing by, you know, moving forward, moving on from the old Win32 uh, codes uh, and the Win32 development. But if, uh, because you, you can always install a uh, Windows, universal Windows platform app through the store. And you can, at the same time, on a PC, install a W a Win32 app that you download on a website. What he's afraid of is that Microsoft will restrict Windows to only install, at some point, the uh, signed Windows app, Windows uh, Store apps. And that would include games. So then you would try to install a game that you downloaded, or through Steam, or through Origin, or through Battle.net. 
and Microsoft wouldn't let you because it's not secure, it's not signed, and it's not it does it's not coming through the store. Um, yeah. The, well, the 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 tension comes right there because Sweeney in his Guardian column admitted, yes, you can sideload Universal Windows platform apps, but it's a setting that's buried right now. So he's like, this is not something that most people are going to do. And you, he, he claims there's no other way to get these apps than through the Windows Store. Now, uh, a comment from Kevin Gallo, who's the vice president of Windows for Microsoft to The Guardian, uh, was, said that the universal Windows platform is a fully open ecosystem available to every developer that can be supported by any store. So if he's yeah, if he's right, weird. then then that alleviates a big part of Sweeney's concern. If I can go get a universal Windows platform app at Steam, then all right, uh, things aren't so bad. But it, there's a big difference between saying it and knowing how that's going to work. Yeah, that that to me was the biggest sticking point because if it is true that uh, any developer can start installing signed uh, universal Windows apps then the problem sort of goes away. And that should be a pretty easy thing to confirm or, you know, it, it, basically, if it's the case, then why didn't they assure Sweeney? It, he was, he's been saying, you know, Epic is a big game developer. They have the Unreal Engine, which a lot of developers use to create games. He's been in talks with Microsoft for a long time, and he's saying... I felt I needed to come out and talk about this because I'm not getting a clear message. So there's definitely something fishy there. If it was just, you know, don't worry, we're developing that standard, the UWP, the Universal yeah, Windows Platform, the UWA, UWP, or the Universal, Universal Windows, Windows apps. apps. I don't know. One of those. Um, Anyone is going to be able to to get them to install, Valve and others included, and, and Epic included, that sort of ends the entire argument, right? So why didn't they make it clearer before? Yeah, and and it's a weird time to push this issue because, I mean, they have Quantum Break coming out April 5th to Windows and Xbox. And yes, you can get both versions. If you buy the Xbox One pre-order, it comes with the Windows version, but it's still two separate programs. It's, yeah. it's not the future that Spencer is talking about. The other thing that I think is odd about this announcement is Spencer said things like, you'll actually see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation, allowing the same games to run backward and forward compatible because we have the universal Windows application platform. Right. I Suddenly, almost forgot a bunch about of people that. started saying, well, well, hold on. Now, he was trying to say this is going to be great because it means we can continue to evolve the Xbox hardware and it won't hurt anybody. You'll be able to still run your games. But other people said, so wait, if I buy an Xbox, it, it gets becomes obsolete quicker. You're, we're coming out <laughs> with new hardware. What does this mean? And that's, I think that's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be able to run the games, but I think they might have plans to release a new Xbox One, you know, the Xbox One 2017, or maybe even at the end of the year, and make it more powerful than it is today for the games that, you know, can run, uh, the, the games that are going to be, basically, since it's the same as the PC now, and the UWA can are going to be designed to run on platform on a platform that has different uh, hardware capabilities there's really no reason to not be able to have multiple xboxes if you have a very old xbox then you're just going to be able to run the game at lower settings and if you have a newer xbox it's going to be shiny and you're going to have the 
highest FPS. Basically, the same kind of crap that we have to deal with in the PC world um, is <laughs> yeah. going to arrive. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I'm not sure how good a thing it is either. Well, and it's a change. And as we know, <laughs> uh, on the internet and especially sometimes in the video game world, when there is a change to the way things have been for a long time, people resist it. Uh, and one thing that people are latching on to is Spencer told in Gadget, he was inspired by the smartphone two-year cycle, which I think to him means like, hey, you know, every two years people uh, plunk for a new smartphone because there's cool new features. Of course, that is flattening out. It may not be the best example, but it used to be. Uh, and uh, and the consumers saw that as like, oh, so you want to come for our pocketbooks every two years <laughs> and force us to buy a new Xbox. Uh, and again, it's it's a lot of this is about messaging because you're right. Having the Xbox work like a PC is not a bad thing if backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility is assured. And Spencer says that's the aim is that, hey, if you buy the Xbox One launch day edition, you'll continue to be able to play all the games. Just, you know, you, you won't necessarily get as much performance. But that was always true. The Xbox 360 didn't get appreciably better over its lifetime, neither did the PS3. But they did come out with new versions of them with higher storage and, and such. So what yeah, he's saying is this platform the graphics, gives them... Though. Yeah, this platform gives them the flexibility to do that for things like graphics and processing without hurting the original. So I can see where if you're Microsoft, you're like, hey, we just want to give you more options to make the experience better over time. But the baseline experience will stay the same as it always has. And consumers look at it as, oh, so I won't be able to ensure that I have the latest and greatest if I buy the first version. Yeah, that that's definitely there is some. I mean, all of this is surprisingly muddled in the messaging and uh, because i think it it does present some positive aspects for example developers are going to be able to develop once as we we've been saying for both uh ecosystem which are going to be one ecosystem in the future but for xbox one and windows which means all of a sudden let's say there are you know, 60 to 100 million gamers on Windows, uh, which is probably around, you know, a, a reasonable estimation. Um, you add that to the number of uh, Xbox Xboxes that are available, all of a sudden the market is huge. It becomes enormous and, and developers are a lot more interested to be developing for this than it, they would be for to be developing for only the Xbox One. So... Yeah, it's it's I think what I take away from it is Microsoft is still not great on communication at this <laughs> stage and yeah. given the blunder they had at the launch of the Xbox One, this is nowhere as big a problem as it was back then, but I'm still surprised sure. that it didn't make a a better job at that. Or is this a smarter way to have that blunder? Uh, hey, stay with me for a moment. If you're Phil Spencer and you're fighting internally with a few other stakeholders about how this works because you've still got some old Balmer area people saying, no, we forced everybody through the Windows store. And Spencer's like, I'm telling you, that's not going to be popular. That's not going to work. Uh, and you have this sort of off cycle. It's not Microsoft build. It's not E3 uh, announcement. And you're able to point to the reaction and say, look, Tim Sweeney wrote this editorial. Look at the look at Reddit. Come on, you guys. I told you we need to make sure that we message clearly that this is going to be available. We need to strike deals with Gabe over at Steam. We need to make sure this works. Maybe by E3, then that message gets refined because of that. 
That's a very interesting theory. I, I I like it actually because you're right. We I was we were all wondering what that weird announcement that didn't wasn't clear and didn't make a lot of noise was. And maybe I mean that that's the kind of thing you want people to to write about and communicate about. But it it seemed like it was designed to not be that, to be as discreet as possible while <laughs> make it an announcement. So, yeah. Well, and Microsoft Build uh, happens what end of April, I think. Um, so I, I fully expect to hear more clarification on how yeah. this platform works because because Sweeney is playing the the most important card here, which is if you can't get us on board, the developers, your platform is not going to work. None of this other yeah. stuff happens. The forward and backward compatibility, the ability to play across platform, none of this works unless the developers get on board. So you got to get him happy. Sure. Yeah. And I think they, they're going to have to. I mean, I couldn't imagine a world where progressively over time... Uh, all of the stores that a lot of developers have spent a lot of money and time developing would not be able to install apps for Windows 10 anymore. That would be, well, unimaginable, unthinkable. It's so, unthinkable, yeah. And you know. and they just wouldn't do it. You can still run Win32 games on Windows 10. Yeah, so the what fear. the developers would do is say, well, we're just going to make the games so they work everywhere. We're not going to use your platform. And and the fear that Tim Sweeney is talking about down the line would be that Windows, you know, Microsoft would push an update to Windows, uh, disabling the uh, installation of Windows yeah. of Win32 apps. Um, I'm, I'm, I think that's, 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 that's a very unlikely thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember but, but there I get were, why Sweeney has to raise it. Yeah. I think I remember there were the same kinds of, uh, uh, fears when Apple introduced the same functionality in, uh, Mac OS and the, a lot of the, the apps were going through the app store on the Mac, the way that it, they do on iOS. And people were worried that Apple would clamp down and, uh, uh, lock down the, 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 the system in a way they have, because it's a little bit more difficult to install an app that hasn't come through the, uh, the app store if yeah, the developer has settings. not yeah exactly and and if the developer has not had uh, it signed with apple then it's going to be a lot more difficult to install um but yeah the the point of of the pc is not microsoft's platform is makes all of this conversation very different it's like you don't you can't ruin this you can't run this as if it was yours the pc is not equivalent with Microsoft, even if we think it is a lot of the time. Well, and, um, and that is, this is at odds. What Sweeney is accusing them is at odds with everything else. Satya Nadella has done yeah. uh, where he's like, yeah, we're going to come out with an iOS version of, of office before we come out with a windows phone version of office. We're, we're going to make our platform run easily on Android. Uh, we are, we are going to get out there and, and disconnect our software from windows uh, and and that's smart. It's realizing that that the Windows platform is not going to continue to be the moneymaker in the future. So it would it would shock me if they actually locked down the universal Windows platform to only work through the Windows Store. It would go against everything else they're doing. Yeah, it would be very surprising. Uh, another thing that has been surprising today is the fact that Fable Legends is uh, being closed down. Basically, they're stopping development on that game that they've been pushing for, what is it, like three years? And um, they're basically uh, doing a bunch of re reworks, quote-unquote, uh, at their studios in the UK and Denmark. Uh, things aren't uh, 
things aren't going really well, apparently. And Fable Legends, that's a surprise that they would just uh, retire it because they've been pushing it a lot. But uh, not Yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be still anticipated, highly anticipated by people. And it's not just Fable Legends that's shutting down. They're talking with employees about closing Lionhead Studios, yeah. uh, which I guess is – it makes sense that you would stop development on everything if you're going to close down the studio. Yeah, but I mean, Lionhead is not, you know, a, a small a small studio. No. Uh, it was, uh, was it founded uh, by Peter Molina? I can't remember, but um, it was, he was definitely there. And, you know, they developed uh, things like Black and White. Um, what else? Fables, uh, Fable, obviously, yeah. a bunch of stuff. So, um, And they're definitely closing Press Play Studios in Denmark, which I know is not as big of a deal, yeah, but they're... So they're- Ending development on Project Knoxville. So a little bit of, uh, of belt tightening happening mm-hmm. here, or, or at least cleaning up parts of the company that they don't feel confident in. Yeah, Fable Legends is definitely the one that I'm surprised about. I guess maybe they saw the, the it took them too long to to get the game out, mm-hmm. and they they're mm-hmm. seeing all of the MOBA and and you know affiliated games that are coming out, and this sort of looks like a MOBA a little bit, except it's you know asymmetrical and uh, a lot of different things. Really interesting concepts, but I guess they didn't find the fun in the game, so. Uh, we had a Nintendo Direct last week. Not a huge amount of news in there, but uh, a couple of things to mention. Um, Star Fox is not delayed. It's still coming out uh, for the Wait, Wii U. Wait, that's on news. <laughs> <laughs> well, there had been a few rumors and everyone was expecting it to, to get delayed. Um, April 22 is the date, uh, the release date. It's, it's, hmm, it's not looking better than it did six months ago but it's looking better than it did a year ago i guess so that's something uh there's also going to be a game called star fox guide uh i'm sorry star fox guard which looks really ugly i don't even i didn't look into it a huge amount um but it doesn't look amazing but it's going to be a a small side thing um and uh, it's going to come with it, basically. Um, Monster Hunter Generations is launching this summer. And uh, I, if you've never gotten into Monster Hunter, uh, this might be the time. But I'm, I, hmm, I, it's another game that I want to get into, but I never, never really managed to, uh, to, to find the fun. And everyone who has played it, uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is the most accessible uh, game there is in the series. And everyone says, you know, you have to play it for about 10, 15 hours before you start understanding why it's fun. And, That's uh, an investment. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Disney Art Academy is coming out for 3DS as well. Uh, 13th of May in the US and in July in Europe. Uh, that had a lot of people uh, swooning over for Disney Art Academy. Basically, it's a game. It's not a game. Uh, it's a thing where you learn to draw Disney characters on your 3DS. Again, not something for me, but why not? Um, yeah, I know Disney crazy people who will absolutely be overjoyed about this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and those people, yeah, they're not me. <laughs> but sure, why not? To each You're not one. one of those people, no. Um, the they are going to be bringing uh, virtual console uh, Super NES games to the 3DS 
But in pure Nintendo fashion, if you have already purchased them for your uh, Wii U or your Wii, you're going to have to buy them again. So, yeah, there you go. I just don't get this universal platform stuff. They should talk to Microsoft. Uh, they they made a, a little bit of a thing about uh, Metroid Prime Federation Force with... Um... <laughs> oh, wait, no, hold on. I, you oh, okay. skipped right over the Super Famicom version of the 3DS. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Think, I, I feel like that was the biggest news out of Nintendo Direct really? was the nostalgia play there. A little bit, yeah. It's a 3DS that basically, when it's open, looks like a, a Super Famicom uh, flat down. It looks really rad, but... Uh... Or do you I, have I'm, I'm a sucker for for nostalgia hardware plays like that, and and I know it's silly, like it's just it's just a case mod essentially, but yeah, it's kind of homage to history. It looks good. I mean, I was wondering what it was at first. Like, was it an actual kind of uh, retro gaming thing? But it's it, when you understand what it is it's just the 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 3ds um if you want one though you're gonna have to it's gonna be expensive because you're gonna have to travel to japan apparently it's only available there so yeah. hmm. but then it's only twenty one thousand six hundred yen yeah well that's the price of the new 3ds <laughs> the same I price as the yeah. 3ds I know. <laughs> um oh and the the virtual console games the the super nes games on on 3ds they're only going to be running on the new 3ds so if you have an old 3ds sorry but you're out of luck here too uh metroid prime yeah th- there was a presentation i think it was at e3 or just around then and people were very disappointed with that um <laughs> that game it didn't look great and there wasn't basically shamus samus uh in the game so people were frustrated and i love the way they addressed this they were saying um that some fan uh th- no so the the game presentation a few months back left fans with some questions. That's mm. a lovely way of, of putting it. Um, so they had the, um, the, dev- the, the game director uh, on the game come out and basically explain that he was really a, a force behind uh, uh, the, the Metroid Prime uh, series. He had been developing stuff for that for a long time and he explained what the game was. Um, I wasn't really convinced uh after the presentation the the producer is kensuke tanabe by the way and uh yeah it, it didn't really grab me the second time either i still have you still left with questions <laughs> yes exactly i i'm still i still have some questions about this but you know with nintendo you never know it might be an awesome game so uh, a bunch of other things. Uh, Paper Mario, a new one, is coming later this year. Um, there's uh, Mario and Sonic uh, at the Olympic Games. A new Kirby on June 10 on 3DS, Planet Robobot. So there you go. There's even a multiplayer portion called Team Kirby Clash. And the fun thing about this is that you can download the multiplayer portion for free to your console. And if one person has the game, you can play with them um, at that, you know, in that multiplayer portion. Obviously, you can't play the single player, but I thought that was hmm. that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a cool way to open up that that ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. And uh, finally, Pokemon Sun and Moon were announced a few days before the Nintendo Direct. Uh, They're coming out later this year on 3DS. And I'm wondering, 
uh, that's just my personal uh, wonders. If it it's not going to come out on NX as well, if the NX is indeed this mix of uh, home and uh, portable consoles. But uh, yeah, new Pokemon, yay! Right? Yeah, Collect, you got to collect all the versions of Pokemon <laughs> games. Have you have you ever played Pokemon? I have. Oh, have you ever <laughs> like? I I was sure you were going to be in the camp of the old people like me and that you had never played the pokemon oh no i've i you know i've i've picked it up and played a few times when i say i played it i i technically have in fact you know gone through a couple battles but uh, oh right okay you haven't you haven't like finished the game no 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 oh okay, okay and i also participated in twitch plays pokemon Oh, nice! Does that count? I don't know if that. Yeah, counts. I think I think. Well, it's a little badge that you can get on your Pokédex yeah. inside it, uh, next to all the other Pokémon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Pokémon Sun and Moon is going to be available later this year. That's uh, cool news for the many many Pokémon fans out there. Um, quick break. Let oh, nothing else on Nintendo. Uh, this, this, I, I'm not as uh, large of a fan of Nintendo as some others on this podcast, but, uh, I, I, I do try to pay attention and, and, and I wasn't even kidding. I, I do feel like the, the Famicom sort of was the most eye catching thing that they announced. Yeah. Not surprising that none of this stuff is, is mind blowing. Uh, I, I don't think anyone expected it to be, but, uh, I am still waiting for, I think everyone's waiting for the the details on the NX. So everything else is going to pale in comparison until we get more details on that. Uh, That's it for the big news. We have a bunch of uh, smaller news coming up. Before that, though, I would like to thank from the butter of my the butter of my heart. (laughs) I actually like that better. It's so rich and creamy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Zorzian CTR from the US left a review on iTunes. He said, love what you're doing. Patrick always has a thoughtful approach to gaming that I find refreshing. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Zorzian. Uh, If you want to help out the show a little bit, you can go to your local iTunes store or really any place you uh, listen to and review podcasts and uh, leave us a review. We would be delighted if you did so, especially if you but, uh, you know, a certain amount of stars in there. Uh, but, you know, do what you will. You can, you have to. I will not influence you. Um, and, uh, oh, what's happening? There's some whispering happening in my ear. Nothing. It's, it, I'm just, you know, five is a good number. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, right. Look okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Zorzian. And thanks to everyone who leaves reviews. I will do my best to keep reading them. So please keep them coming. Um, a bunch of other news I was mentioning. Um, no Man's Sky has a release date and a retail price. I think we already had the release date. I sort of uh, half forgot. Um, June 21st, if you also forgot. And the price is 60 bucks. Basically, it's a full price game, which... First, I don't know why um, I was almost expecting it to not be full priced. I thought it was going to be a 40 bucks game. I think it started out as a game that seemed like this kind of indie, um, smaller experience type game that is not fully featured. But as they were pushing it and making sure it was fully featured, and especially with the immense amount of hype that... Um, has been surrounding the game. I don't see why they would be, um, you know, giving asking less money than they can get for for it. Yeah, and uh, that doesn't surprise me either. They're also putting out 
extra special editions. Uh, there's yeah. an Explorer's edition, 150 bucks, and a limited edition that's 80 bucks. And uh, so this is not following any kind of unusual release strategy in in that respect. I I am excited about this though. I'm I've been anticipating this for years, literally, uh, <laughs> since they they first announced it. I I hope it delivers on the hype because this is an incredibly difficult thing to pull off. But if they pull it off the way they're saying, which is, you know, quintillions of worlds, you can you can inhabit one that no one else has ever discovered. I think this could be amazing. It's um, it's also, I mean, they mentioned that they're going to have uh, multiple alien races and each is going to have their own language that you're going to have to learn. I'm guessing it's going to be an in-game mechanic for that, you know, for that that your character goes through to learn the language that you're not you're not gonna have to spend a year on duolingo (laughs) with trying to figure out your yeah uh, hopefully not but um yeah it's it's looking like it's got a lot more to do than what it seemed to have a year and a half ago which is good i'm still not convinced it's going to be uh uh, the the i mean the hype is impossible to live up to at this point but although it's been coming back down a little bit yeah um, Uncharted is delayed as well. Just a couple of weeks, though. Uh, it's coming out May 10. Apparently, it is because of the uh, manufacturing issues. Uh, they are trying to manufacture lots of it, I'm guessing. And uh, yeah, they're they're taking their time. I don't mind so much. Um, the multiplayer stress test was open this weekend, though. And I did spend about, I guess, an hour playing it. Have you downloaded it or you're waiting no, for it? No, I haven't. Me? Um, it's interesting. The multiplayer portion of uh, Uncharted has always been uh, pretty fun, easy, easy, uh, accessible, I guess. And the big, there are a couple of new things there um, in this version. The first one is the hook that you can throw to basically uh, uh, scale uh, gaps and swing uh, across gaps, which makes the game even more fluid it's kind of you you, you're always running around and always trying to get from one place to the other it feels very mobile and um, and the other thing is you can buy uh, sidekicks within the game you know within each game uh, you accumulate uh, gold and then you can or dollars and you can spend them um, to get special powers basically there the special abilities are either um, more powerful grenades a sidekick a I can't remember oh a grenade launchers or uh, uh, things like that or an, what's basically an ultimate ability which is going to do a lot of damage um, the games were relatively quick about ten minutes uh, they were uh, uh, as I was saying very dynamic it's it's fun it's surprisingly fun I guess the uncharted uh, multiplayer uh, portions have always been surprisingly fun and this one is is no exception and they're bringing it forward enough that I think I'm going to be spending a little bit of time in it so and it it sounds like although this is uncharted big franchise lots of sequels you know fourth fourth in the main line uh, that they're they're not just resting on their coattails they're they're bringing in things that will keep you interested and do you think they can even bring in new players um i think you know uncharted 4 is the biggest game that's going to be coming out for sony this year and there are a lot of people that were 
Xbox guys or gals um, mm -hmm. that now are on uh, on the the Sony console. So I think yes, but I think they would be anyway if they manage to do a, a game of the quality that people are have come to expect from them from Naughty, Naughty Dog. Um, but yeah, it's it's good that they're uh, still pushing the envelope. That's what you expect from a yeah. respected developer, right? So yes. they're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so we'll see. I hope they have a little bit of that uh, that differentiating factors in the single player as well, especially if it's it's looking like it's going to be the last Uncharted game from Naughty Dog. So, um, But yeah, if you have never played Uncharted, I'm pretty sure that this one is going to be a good entry in the series because, well, it's the only one on PlayStation 4, so... There you go. Mass Effect Andromeda. I know a lot of people are also um, eagerly anticipated that, anticipating that game. Um, it's not going to be coming out in 2016, though. Apparently, um, the CFO from EA is saying that it's probably going to be early 2017. So still a little bit of time to wait. Temper that anticipation. <laughs> Have you played Mass Effect? No. Okay, so you're not... How can you be a uh, sci-fi nut that you are? I try to tell you, Patrick, I, I don't play a lot of the video games that are popular. Ah, <laughs> oh, you go the indie route. I'm not, yeah. not a big first-person shooter fan. I'm very much a strategy fan, and mm -hmm. I am willing to take the slings and arrows that many of your audience will hurl my way because of that. <laughs> no, I think we have a lot of a diverse audience in that regard. Um, Paragon is going to be a free-to-play game. That's not very surprising. However, there is going to be a uh, an early access. There's going to be a Founders Pack. Oh, Paragon, by the way, is the 3D MOBA that looks gorgeous from uh, so Epic Games. So beautiful, yeah. Yeah, looks really good. Um, the Founders Pack is going to be available on March 14, and the it gives access to the closed beta that is going to be to start on March 18. The game itself is going to be launching in the summer though so um and it's going to be free to play when it launches but you can get access to it early during the beta um i'm i don't know i think the founders pack is about 20 bucks i'm not sure i'm going to want to uh pay to try it but i'm definitely intrigued by the game my my newfound love for mobas and hero games um is is pushing me to check it out at least so we'll see and uh, talking about um, hero shooters that you can uh, get pre -access, access to the beta uh, by paying some money, um, Overwatch is apparently having a similar system. Uh, there's been a leak. Basically, what happened was that IGN uh, put up a uh, page takeover, which is basically a huge ad uh, that includes also different, you know, ad formats within the page that was uh, stating that the game was coming out on May 24th and that people who pre-purchase it, it's not the same as a pre-order. You mm -hmm. actually pay the full price, but if you pre-purchase it, you get early access on May 3rd uh, for the beta. So that means that, well, the game is... If that's true, we're not sure that it's true yet, but it's it looks like it could be legitimate. It could be legit. Um, yeah, the game might be coming out on May 24th with uh, beta access on the 3rd that you can buy if you buy the game. 
Now, raises a few questions, one of which is, as someone who has pre-ordered but not pre-purchased the game already, how do... If I were to want to make sure that I got into the open beta, how would I go and make my pre-order into a pre-purchase? Uh, how did you pre-order it? Uh, on Amazon and through Blizzard. So I, I bought a PC and a PS4 version. Are you sure you didn't get charged for the Blizzard version? I might have got... gotten charged for the Blizzard one. So. I'd have to check. You're right. Actually, I think I did. Uh, yeah, that's so because it's a pre-purchase. There. But, but I, I, I asked the question less about myself, but more about, as if I am a consumer and I've, you know, I've got the pre-order in and I haven't been charged, you know, what do I, what do, yeah. I do there? But, but that also leads me to note that this leaked mock-up uh, has both words. In the, in the page wrap, it says pre-purchase now. In the small box ad, it says pre-order now. Uh, and it says oh. pre-order for open beta early access, which leads me to believe that maybe the reason we haven't seen this yet is they're still nailing down the details of how this all works. Yeah, it would be surprising, though, if if IGN has the ad uh, format available for display and they just... Maybe, you know, the announcement... What I think is happening is that the announcement is going to be coming on uh, March 11 um, when they... Well, maybe not, but there's a, a Hearthstone announcement coming on March 11. They're basically going to be uh, announcing the next expansion, and I'm wondering if the announcement for um, for Overwatch is going to come at the same time, and at that point, they're going to have the uh, pages, the ads go up on all over the web, and that would be why IGN already has the, um, you know, the graphics for that. But um, I, I've definitely, when I worked at CNET, been in positions where ads were live or not live ads were on the server waiting to be pushed exactly. and then text changes were made and they had to be, you know, they had to be modified, et cetera. So I wouldn't be with a little thing like pre-purchase versus pre-order. I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, yeah, go ahead and get it ready. And, and it's easy enough to swap out that language once we've decided on it. Well, if it ends up uh, being the being real, uh, I'll be looking very carefully at the wording that's being used. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, I think if you pre-order it, it's going to be the PC version only. I'm guessing that you're going to have access to the beta too. I don't think there's going to be a beta mm, yeah, that on, makes sense, on PS4 and uh, and Xbox One. Maybe there will be. I don't know. Um, but uh, I think you would need to pre-purchase it to get access because if you just pre-order and you get access to the beta and then you and don't then buy it, order. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we'll see. And that's but, probably uh, the, I would guess again, because this is a leak, I would guess that that's the conversation that they're having is like, well, we could risk it and we could just make it pre-order and eat the loss. Cause it won't be that much. Mm. And that way we, you know, we avoid this amount of consternation. And then another person in the room is like, no, no, I really think it needs to be pre-purchased. And, and they, they're like, well, let's, let's, Let's have both language options ready. Just, you know, and we'll figure this out in tomorrow's meeting. Maybe. I think I think they're going to need a pre-purchase in order to give access to people, though. I, I would suspect. You're you that know, guy in that meeting. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Maybe. <laughs> um, but it does sound like, you know, the game is pretty much done. They're going to be testing a little bit of ranked play um, probably in March and April. And uh, by early May, it's going to be just a... It's really going to be an early access and the servers are going to be, uh, you know, made a little bit, the load on the servers is going to be made a little bit lighter if they get some people in first. And uh, 
I don't know. Maybe it's also Kaplan trying to find a way to get people in as early as possible as he was, uh, you know, saying in his yeah. latest uh, uh, developer update. But um, we'll see. I so have to the- say, I, I haven't had enough time to spend playing Overwatch, but the time that I've been able to take, I, as a person who doesn't like first-person shooters, really love this game. They make it easy to use for someone who's not as big into this, but still interesting to play. And all my friends who do love first person shooters love it too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sort of in between. And, uh, we were discussing before the, 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 the show, um, I'm at 60, almost 70 hours game time, uh, now, which is a month in. So that's an average of about two and a half hours per day, an average that means there's been days I've played a lot more. So yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not going to say it's... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go... I haven't pre-purchased it yet, um, but I will, if only because I want that uh, exclusive skin. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the wait is going to be over fairly soon. Um, we're not going to have an, an Overwatchers episode, by the way, this week, I don't think, because uh, Garrett is busy, busy doing secret things um but uh it will come back very soon and we'll discuss all of this and yeah i mentioned that we're going to have a, a an announcement for hearthstone uh on the 11th and there's a, a pretty nice article on hearthhead uh sorry hearthbone um that explains what to do to prepare for the changes in in hearthstone um if you because some expansions are going to be going away if uh when when the new expansion uh, hits so you uh, going away meaning you're not going to be able to buy packs anymore that's the case for goblins versus gnomes um if you definitely want to be playing the wild format when you can have any card that you have acquired uh maybe you might think about purchasing some of those uh, packs because it's going to be um less expensive likely less expensive to uh buy packs and um get the cards that you want that way rather than having to craft them once the packs can't be purchased anymore so buy the packs if you want that buy the first wing of each uh, adventure of naxramus uh of the adventure if you want to complete it one day because it's also going to be uh, going away and um yeah craft murlocs because <laughs> you can get the uh, reward old murkai um if you have crafted all the murlocs and uh, that is also not going to be the case anymore once the once the new expansion comes out and uh pa- uh Pirates are probably not really useful, so you're fine without the captain's parrot that you get for having all the pa- uh, the parrots. I have to say this this expansion announcement I know is meant to make the game continue to be accessible for new players while preserving the somewhat unexpected esports element of it. I think they expected there to be some, but maybe not quite as popular as it has turned out to be. Uh, But as a casual player, I have always struggled with the fact that I can't continuously play Hearthstone. And when I'm out for a month, for whatever reason, when I jump back in, I find it extremely confusing. So on the one hand, I'm very happy that they're making these two modes so that I've got a way to casually play on the other hand, I am less I am less compelled to get in and follow the meta and craft cards and worry about the expansion packs because it just seems way more complicated than it used to be. 
It is a little bit more complicated. Um, I think this is going to help a little bit, but it's going to help in the long run. The thing is, it's yeah. not now. There's one expansion and one um, adventure that are going away for the standard mode. Um, that does mean it's going to be a little bit more simple, but at the same time, it's going away when they're adding an expansion. Um, so it doesn't really seem like it. You know. They're taking away one expansion, adding one, and it's going to be a new one. And where it's going to take time to figure out where the meta where the meta uh, uh, settles. So I don't think it's going to be more simple. It's just that it's not going to be a lot more complicated over time, right? Because if they hadn't done this system, then you would have had uh, expansions piling up, and you would have five of yeah. them or ten of them uh, in the long no run. it's something they were eventually going to have to do you can yeah. just keep the cards exactly where they are uh, forever um but i don't know i think and and maybe this is uh me expressing what i was expressing earlier the fact of like huh i don't want the change it always worked <laughs> this way uh but i i do find myself a little less inspired to play than i was before that's that's surprising actually because of the announcement why why do you because some it, of the not, cards yeah, you had this is are an emotional away. reaction not a rational reaction this is not me look at, like when i rationally look at the announcement i'm like yes this is the right thing to do good 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 elegant solution to these problems but just emotionally I'm I'm like, I'm tired. I'm like, ah, more mm. more changes to deal with. Uh, I just, right. I can't wrap, I don't have time to sit down and wrap my head around how the new system works now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I can. Hopefully they will have some very clever UI element that is going to make it sure easy to understand. Yeah. Um, and finally, a bunch of very quick news items. Uh, Yahoo launched a, an esports section and it's pretty good. I don't know if you've taken a look at it. Honestly, I was yeah, surprised. Yeah, I have. It uh, it is the curse of Yahoo, though, that they they will launch good products. Uh, they <laughs> launched a new season of Community, for goodness sake. They have probably one of the most excellent uh, guides to online video that I bet most people don't realize exists. They just don't seem to be able to get people to come over and stick. So, yeah, I agree. This is this is an excellent portal. And if you're following esports, you should you just, you owe it to yourselves to check it out. But there's already so many ingrained places that people go to follow this stuff. I wonder how many people they can convince to use Yahoo as their news source for esports. Yeah, I mean it's it's well done. It's it's got a huge. It's all video. It's all video reporting. Well, not all, but uh, the main it's elements. It's very video, of video focused. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they. It's not just. Uh, tournament stuff they have i just went to it now and they have a very quick uh, preview of paragon the game from epic games we were talking about earlier um there's uh, a section for uh, csgo dota heroes of the storms league of legends uh street fighter 5 and you have you can look at the different videos and some of them are introductions and explanations it's not just matches basically and they have a bunch of people that really know what they're talking about it's kind of weird because it's a tv level well online uh, internet tv level production uh value production quality but mm -hmm. you have people discussing <laughs> it's esports they have people discussing sports the way discussing esports with no, I mean, I, I guess I was expecting Yahoo to be a little bit more uh, consumer friendly and white public, sort of making it understandable to the white public. It's not. It's like they're talking yeah. like hardcore esports, talking about frame data in Street Fighter, like the new characters, what they do, what they don't do. It's, it's, it's a. I, I'm very surprised at the quality of this site, and uh, 
Uh, you're right. It's the curse of Yahoo. It's uh, great content. I, I have to say that is the right choice because Yahoo will often make the choice the other way, which is have an excellent portal, but try to make it appeal to their their mainstream users right. and then lose both. So I, th- I think that's the right way to, to bet on it is, is to like, look, this is for esports followers that exist now. We're not trying to convert people. Let's get them. And I love the way they've got the matchup schedules along the right side. They have the, the big games across the top, the way you would have the big leagues across the top on ESPN.com. Uh, so this, like you say, this is really well done. Yeah. Congrats, Yahoo. We approve. Um, <laughs> Activision is not going to have a booth at E3. They're following EA uh, in that matter. It's it's you know really it, it's not surprising. I guess Activision has sort of disengaged from uh, Gamescom as well in the past few years, and uh, now they're not going to be at E3 either. Um, I'm sure their games are going to be well. Actually, they said so. Their games are going to be at uh, their partners' booths that include Sony. Um, but yeah, no EA, no Activision. I guess we are now in the future no where the the brands can just reach their audience without going through all of these motions of the big events. They're going to have a presentation, a press conference, and that's it. it. E3 has had an identity crisis for a long time now. It is a trade show and it restricts itself that way. Uh, but at the same time, publicly, it sort of likes to pretend it's it's an, a fan show which it's not but they they you know they they want the press around it uh and i think activision or is it is blizzard activision that, that had the booth right was or was it, was, it just Activision? no i think it was just activision traditionally okay. uh blizzard is so hands-on um that when they do something they have uh you know when they do something with their own booth it's a huge endeavor that they don't do the same way that other companies do they don't outsource so they limit the amounts of uh, of trade shows and events they attend. But I think what Activision is deciding here is a booth is expensive. We don't get that much benefit out of having the booth. We're not going to not attend D3. We're not going to not meet with people. We have plenty of partners who will, will have our games on display. So we, we will not be absent from E3, but it doesn't help us any to put all of Activision stuff in one booth as well, it seems redundant. I, it's it's just uh, the nature of E3 kind of leads me to understand why the game developer may say, eh, why, why bother? Yeah, especially if you're one of the big three or four, right? If you're yeah. EA Activision, you're going to be making noise anyway. So I right. guess E3... Is a, a, yeah, you're not going to have a lot of people wandering through the halls of E3 and like, <laughs> well, what is this Activision? I've not heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess it's it's Sony, Microsoft, and the mid-sized and indie developers, or not indie, but uh, you know. And I'm sure developers. the Activisions and EAs are pitching it a little money on those booths to get some space. So it's, yeah, yeah, you know. for sure, for sure. Um, the next PS4 update is going to enable people to play, uh, the, well, to stream their PS4 games to the PC and to the Mac uh, in the way that it was. it's already uh, possible for the PC on Windows 10 for the Xbox One and uh, in the way that it was possible for uh, the, uh, the PlayStation 4 on the play- PS Vita and the now soon to be retired in the West but already retired in Japan uh ps vita tv um so yeah they're just i think they they just figured you know what that vita tv thing is not working the ps vita is not you know it's it's okay but it's not the future let's just stop being super closed down and uh, let people stream their ps4 games on their pc 
that's probably a good thing. I have a- it is funny that this got a little bit washed out by all of the Windows universal platform yeah. news and controversy because Sony's over there jumping up and down saying, you can play our games on Mac and Windows <laughs> without any of these problems because we're just streaming it. And, you know, that I'm not saying today that's the solution, but that may end up being a more elegant solution as bandwidth improves and, and they continue to perfect the ability to stream games. I don't know. Well, you know, they have the PlayStation Now service, which streams games uh, yeah. from the cloud, which they're getting, you know, working on more and more. And uh, I'm wondering if the way Microsoft is going, which is to improve the hardware here and there, um, isn't going to be a sort of a philosophical battle with the way Sony is going, which is, it seems to be, at least for some of their games, let's just stream them from the cl- cloud. We don't need the device in your home, so... Yeah, that could, it could be that thing that just makes all of this other gnashing of teeth immaterial. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the HTC Vive costs 800 bucks. That's a lot of money. Um, it's It has the uh, controllers and the, the little totem things that you put on the desk and the, in the room to... Uh, uh, locate you in space so it's a little bit more hardware than the oculus rift but still it's 200 bucks more um i well vr is expensive i guess we've said everything we had to say about that i Um, yeah i i i think the 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 reaction to these prices was probably oculus's fault by selling their developer kits for $350. Every, everyone was kind of gasped at the $3,000 for the HoloLens, but Microsoft may have been doing something really smart there by saying, by, by saying, look, it's for developers, it's for studios, even small studios, but it, it's going to have a price tag associated with it. So when we put it out for $800 later, it will seem cheap. Yeah, possibly. I mean, and the device, you have to remember, the whole lens is a, 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 the whole computer, the whole thing is in the whole lens. You don't have a cable that goes out to, to a real computer. So obviously, it's going to be more expensive than these uh, VR headsets. But um, the, And the Vive comes with the controllers and yeah. the Oculus doesn't. So yeah, yeah. there's that. Um, what what this tells me though is Sony has a huge open avenue to become the VR. You know, basically it just confirms to me my analysis from a few months ago, which is Sony might have a huge opportunity there because if they have a three hundred and fifty four hundred dollars headset, it, they might get the the blunt of the uh, consumer base. But we'll find out March fifteenth. Why? Wait, why? What's that's no, the, that's uh, the PlayStation VR announcement? Well, they have a, a GDC conference. I don't know that they're going to be announcing price and uh, and we don't know if they're going to be announcing price. That's fair. I bet they will. Okay, we'll see. And finally, yeah. finally, um, there we we like to say that we cover all manners of games on this show, and uh, you know, every once in a while, there's an, a, a mobile game that is worthy of discussion. I think. And now is one of those times. Clash Royale has been out for a few days on both iOS and Android. Uh, it was available in some re- in some countries before, but now it's available worldwide. And you know what? I think it's it's a pretty good game. I think it's really interesting. Did you get a chance to play it? Or 
I no, I'm unfamiliar with Clash Royale. So basically, Clash Royale is uh, by developer uh, Supercell that made Clash of Clans. Um, ah, gotcha. you know we'll Clash of Clans, right? Of yeah. course. And uh, they, th- this is basically they are taking the same characters, the same aesthetic, the same everything as they had in Clash of Clans, but the game is kind of a mix between a tower defense and Hearthstone. And that might oh. sound weird, but that sounds it actually awesome. <laughs> it, it works pretty well. You have uh, different uh, cards that you know the cards are going to be uh, units or spells, and you have I think about fifty cards available in the game. You have to earn them, obviously through different means. I'm going to talk about in a second, but you have to earn the different cards, and you can upgrade them, and then you create a deck of eight cards. And um, when you play the game, you can place there. There's a resource that uh, fills up automatically um, over time. So every second, you get one extra. A unit of that elixir resource and each card has a cost associated with it and uh, when you have you know you place a card that is two elixirs it's going to be putting down a unit on the battlefield which is divided in two you have two towers and a main castle uh, on each side and your unit is going to be walking towards the enemy's um uh towers and castle and uh it's going to try and destroy them and the first one that kills that destroys all of the buildings uh wins the game and games are just oh i see you you just downloaded it Uh, oh yeah i may have downloaded it yeah (laughs) um and the games are super short it's three minutes maybe four minutes max if you haven't a clear if you haven't had a clear winner initially um the the strategy part of it seems pretty sound. Uh, you have, you know, all of the, the different types of cards you could expect. You have units that are uh, uh, better at countering other units. You have some spells that have advantages and disadvantages. You have units that only attack buildings, units that do AOE, units that do uh, targeted damage, etc., etc. Um, it is, as you would expect, again, um, a little bit pushy on the free-to-play side. It's definitely not uh, a game that is going to make you think, ah, they did it right in the free-to-play area. They are... You can play free-to-play just like you can every other game in that, you know, category. Um, You really don't have to, to, to... put some money in. I didn't, and I'm having a lot of fun already. Um, but they are always telling you, hey, you could be opening more chests with more cards now if you, uh, you know, wait a little bit longer and do this. Or so they're you a little pushy about to- it. Basically, yes. Um, but you know, the game, I think the game is fun. Clash Royale, uh, uh, Clash of Clans, I've, I've always said, I think is one of the uh, better designed games uh, in that space, in the free-to-play games uh, space. It's a, actually a very good, decent game. Um, they had a very interesting asymmetrical uh, tower defense type of uh, gameplay. This one sort of takes it in another direction, but I think it's pretty successful as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm surprised by how much I'm enjoying it. And I think it's a very decent distraction for people who want to play on their mobile and um, the fact that the games are so quick uh, is kind of a plus as well. You really have, you're going to be done with your game in guaranteed less than four minutes. Four minutes is the longest time it can go. So I'm done. You're done with, my first with game. your first game. There you go. Yeah. From installing it at the top of the story till then. There you go. 
<laughs> so yeah, Clash Royale, I would recommend it actually. And it doesn't happen often. So there you go. And that is going to be it for the show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Tom, where can people find one of your or all of your many shows if they want to follow you elsewhere? Uh, yeah, all of the podcasts and books and things that I uh, that I put together are available at TomMerritt.com. There's two R's and two T's in, in Merit. Uh, so you can you can check that out and that gives you an overview of everything. Like I said, DailyTechNewsShow.com uh, is our daily tech news show. <laughs> hence the name. Uh, should be easy to remember. And uh, our idea is to, to give you context about the important stories happening in the tech world every day. And of course, Patrick Beja is on every Tuesday. So definitely check that out. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, as you know, I'm not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can find this show on Frenchspin.com. You can also find The Phileas Club, another show that I do in English. Uh, and if you have never listened to it, I would recommend you listen to the latest episode where we had a really interesting, diverse set of opinions and people. Just go listen to it. It will be fun. I, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So The Phileas Club. I love Club. that episode. It is really, oh, you did? really good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, and that is going to be it for us. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. I hope you have a wonderful time until then. And I send to all of you many hugs and many kisses. Not French, just like little pecks on the cheek. Kind kisses. Bye. during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.